Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. And he will be talking about intimacy, because it's a short title of your subject, so welcome. Thank you. Um, if you have a hard time hearing, you might want to come closer, because I have a quiet voice. <laughs> yeah, just... <clears throat> So, um, happy to be here. I've been coming to GBF for probably 20 years. It's a long time. And a lot of different things <clears throat> have happened to me here probably about nine years ago or ten years ago. Uh, things that have changed the course of my life. Eugene Cash was talking and he talked about a program, the Community Dharma Leaders Program, um, which I ended up getting into, which is a program to train people to do Dharma talks and this sort of thing. I heard about that here. <laughs> I noticed that he's coming here. Hopefully he'll remember this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'll send him a text. <clears throat> so, and I've also done a couple Dharma talks here for the first time that I, I was sort of experimenting on. I talked about um, homophobia here. Garmin <coughs> had a practice with that. And I, years ago, I did a talk on sexuality, which is something that I don't hear very many talks about, and definitely not very many talks about within the LGBTQ community. So, um, so I'm very interested in talking about things that are, and thinking about things and talking about things that are really relevant to, uh, our community, and so I, I'm not talking about this for the first time, but I start thinking about it here, <laughs> and, <clears throat> and really, I started thinking about it because I think most of us, maybe not all of us, but I definitely... I often long to love other people more deeply and to feel more connected to other people. And <clears throat> I often forgive I often forget the interconnection <clears throat> that I have with everybody. And so this delusion of being separate of being apart from other people is really what creates a lot of um, pain and discomfort in my life and the, I think a lot in our lives. 
So I wanted to start with, um, <laughs> I asked Joe to read this poem for me. I wanted to start by having this poem read, a, a great teacher of mine, Rumi. And so go ahead and read that. A community of the spirit. There is a community of the spirit. Join it and feel the delight of walking in the noisy street and being the noise. Drink all your passion and be a disgrace. Close both eyes to see with the other eye. Open your hands if you want to be held. Sit down in this circle. Quit acting like a wolf and feel the shepherd's love filling you. At night, your beloved wanders. Don't accept consolations. Close your mouth against food. Taste the lover's mouth in yours. You moan, she left me, or he left me. <laughs> Twenty more will come. <laughs> Be empty of worrying. Think of who created thought. Why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? Move outside the tangle of fear thinking. Live in silence. Flow down and down in always widening rings of being. So I think Rumi is encouraging us not to limit how intimate we are in the world. Intimacy, intimacy usually um, is talked about having a close personal association with one other person. There's usually an effective connection that we feel. It's based on uh, shared experience and knowledge of the other person. And when I've, I've, I've done a couple day-longs on this with a, a friend of mine, Chahara. I don't know if, I think she's taught here at least one time. And often what we do is we have poster board. <laughs> we have a poster board here, and we ask people to call out words which um, you can relate to as being connected to how you think about intimacy. And so what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a poster board in your mind <laughs> that I'm writing on. <laughs> And I want, I would invite you just to call out some words that kind of create a feeling of intimacy for you as a reflection of how, how it is that you hold it and how it is that you think about it. And when I began thinking about intimacy many years ago, there were four words that I, start, after thinking about a lot of words, four words that I practiced with a lot. And one of the words, so I'll just name two words that I, that I use a lot just to give you an idea, and then I'm going to open it up and just have you call out words that have some connection to intimacy for you. So a word that stays with me a lot is vulnerability and transparency. And what I want you to do is to, just for the duration of this talk and the time that you're here, just reflect and see if there's a couple words that you could connect with because in the end, <laughs> towards the end of this talk, I'm going to invite you to do your own little bit of practice and to use these words and to practice with the words that you've identified for yourself. So 
Um, just kind of keep keep these words in your head, see which words land for you. So um, maybe someone could start with a couple words or one word or a phrase. Shared awareness. Say it louder. Shared awareness. Okay. Connection. Friendship. Acceptance. Present moment. Present moment. Awareness. Honesty and compassion. <clears throat> Authenticity. <clears throat> Love. Warmth. Care. Sense. Kindness. Content. Closeness. Presence. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Thank you. <laughs> so, typically, uh, within Buddhist traditions, when they talk about intimacy, they talk about it's it's a way of being present with what's happening with us in the moment. So, intimacy often is equated with mindfulness, knowing this breath and the next breath, knowing this step and the next step, knowing this bite, this sensation in the body, this mood, this emotion. And one uh, early practice question that one of my teachers offered to me, which I often start at the beginning of meditation as I introduce as an intention for my practices, the question is, what is happening now? So usually intimacy becomes the the expression of our own internal investigation of our mind states and really looking at our, our views and our beliefs and our preoccupations and our attitudes, the opinions that we have. And so we're, in a way, we're, the invitation is to excavate the areas that we're not aware of and bring them more into awareness so that we can practice with that. And so by default, as we, this is theoretical, by default, as we become more aware of our own conditioning and what we're not aware of, then that allows us to include that in our practice, and by default, it extends to the people that we interact with. So we begin with ourselves, and then we move out into the world. So... Uh, a little over two years ago, I went to Burma with a Buddhist teacher, kind of on an extended turn, a, a period of practice. And when I came back, what often happens after extended period of, of practice is that I felt like, you know, kind of like things in my life fell apart that things shifted and what I thought was important, I wasn't sure if it wasn't important anymore, the stories and narratives that I had about myself and who I was and my ideas and beliefs, I wasn't so sure that those really were who I thought I was. And so I had this, ex this kind of beautiful and also very uncomfortable experience of impermanence, of, of this fixed sense of myself becoming less fixed and less attached to who who it was that I am. It, probably like four or five years ago, I ended a long-term relationship. And until 
I came back from Burma, I was operating under this model of intimacy, that intimacy was just with one other person, kind of a heterosexual model that we have. <laughs> and I really believed it. And because I wasn't in a relationship, it was really a dysfunctional model for me. And it wasn't really serving me because it was an inner relationship. And it brought up a lot of discomfort and um, suffering for me. So I was inspired after I came back from Burma to really turn towards Buddhist teaching since I'd been in a Buddhist country for a couple of months. And I wasn't sure how to, how, be, I wasn't sure really how to begin. And so I went to Dharma Seed, which is an online um, resource <coughs> of audio talks by different Buddhist teachers. And I used the search, search engine intimacy and I, I typed that in and it brought up some talks and I started listening to a lot of talks that had intimacy in the title. And a majority of the talks, or almost all the talks, were really about being intimate with ourself. Which is really very beautiful. <laughs> but I was really interested in a more relational kind of intimacy. Because intimacy with another doesn't necessarily and organically flow out of a sitting practice. You know, I know myself better, but I want to apply what it is that I know about myself with other people. We become more <clears throat> familiar <clears throat> and friendly with ourself, and then we want to share that. Um, so I started really looking at understanding that in order to do this, we had to introduce intention, and that we had to have a really more focused investigation if that was something that we really wanted to look at, if we wanted to look at intimacy, and that I needed to broaden the scope of my practice. <laughs> so I started thinking about the different things that impact us as gay people, as queer people, or however it is that we identify. And within our culture, within the US, the certain groups are preferenced or given higher value to. And all of these things have an impact on how it is that we think about ourselves and how it is that, what it is that we believe. And so I started, some of this is, you know, I'll just, I just want to name this because this is all stuff that we can include when we start doing this kind of practice. So groups that are preferenced over other groups is Hetero is preferenced over homo. <laughs> um, being partnered or in a couple relationship has a higher value than being single. There's a certain oppression that we feel, that we can feel being a single person in this culture. And within the gay male community, immediate gratification is preferenced over a slow, mindful engagement with another person. I mean, now, so these are generalizations they, they may not apply all the time or to us ever. Um, strong physical chemistry is preferenced over weak or no chemistry, in, especially as a prerequisite to engaging in, in relating with another person. We even have this idea of a mystical energy exchange that we need to experience when we meet somebody. Hookups and... Um, Impersonal sexual encounters without much emotional or any 
Um, emotional connection is preference over connection in relation, in relationship. And so these are just some of things. And then in addition to that, we live in a strongly homophobic society that tells us um, that we are, that we're defective, that we do not deserve love, we're unlovable, that something's wrong with us, that we're not good enough. So a lot of us have internalized those ideas, especially being in an, although I've, I've, this is very typical of young people that I've talked to too. Um, and we live within um, gay culture, there's a lot of oppression around aging. We become invisible as we age in, the, in this community, and there's a certain oppression that we experience around that. So we live in this very homophobic society. In addition to that, we all, there's so many things. It's like when I started doing this inve investigation, a lot, a lot opened up for me, is that we, many of us, because of being gay or queer or however it was that we identified, when we, we grew up, have a lot of, have some sexual, physical, psychological, emotional wounding from our families, trauma, and that is, that lives, that's embodied inside of us, and that it often shows up at inopportune times, often as we're moving towards connection or caring with another person. I mean, that's my experience. <laughs> and then we have other wounding. And then we practice in Dharma communities, and if you go to another sitting group outside of the GBF, um, they're mostly taught, although this is changing now, they're mostly taught by white, heterosexual male teachers. Mostly. Mostly. It's changing now. Um, and within those communities, what's preferenced is solitary individual silent practice over relational talking practices. So we could come and sit in a room with a bunch of people and feel a tremendous amount of love, but really have no connection with those people. And so there's a shift that's happening in the whole idea of Sangha, the community of people that we practice with. Not here, but when I go to other sitting groups, um, I listen to the teachings, but they usually don't address or name stories or experiences or that I can really relate to because the teachers usually don't identify as LGBTQ. So a lot of what I hear isn't really relevant. It has kind of, it has a definite heterosexual bias. So our experiences aren't really named. And when our experiences aren't named, then for me, I had, a, it took me a long time to think about including those unnamed experiences in, in my practice. Like until I started really thinking about homophobia, I wasn't, I just kind of had habituated to homophobia and I didn't really practice with it. And I had to, intentionally include that in, in the practice. So I think this is also reflect, I think it was last year when I did a day long at the East Bay Meditation Center, one of the people that came sent, sent me a link to a Huffington Post article and the article was entitled um, Let's see, the epidemic of gay loneliness. Yeah. 
And I was really moved by that article. And it, it, it talks about higher levels of morbidity within our community. Um, but one thing that really struck me, and this may or may not be true for you, but it said, despite all the talk of our chosen families, gay men have fewer close relationships than straight people or gay women. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that was the experience of these people that participated in that survey, and that um, was kind of startling to me. So coming back to the to Buddhist teachings, the Buddha um, said that Buddhism is a leads is a direct path from bondage to freedom. There's a, a, a academic Buddhist teacher, Bhikkhu Bodhi, who wrote an essay called Taking Stock of Ourself. And he says that it can often feel like a torturous route full of unexpected twists and turns. And really reflects the um, entangled mental, <laughs> mental topography of our minds. So what some, when we begin a practice, what can often be described as a direct flight, like a flight of the crow to freedom, is often involves moving, moving very slowly and steadily and cautiously through what he says, the winding mountain roads of our mind. So he talks about that we have to do a thorough and honest self-assessment of who it is that we are. And that we each have our own unique sets of desires and aversions as well as goodness and other beautiful qualities and that we need to pay attention and identify what within Buddhists would call them defilement, what those defilements are within us. When I <clears throat> started, I wanna, I'm going to talk, I think, for a couple more minutes and then I, what I want to do is have you break into triads because it's, this, I'm talking about intimacy and it seems like I would be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to practice being intimate <laughs> with each other. So I know when I started coming, I always hated relational kind of practices. <laughs> I just wanted to sit here and not, not be bothered. Uh, when I, not here, but when you go to another sitting group or if you go to a day long or if you go to a retreat, we get a lot of instructions about how to do practice. Like teachers will point us towards a directular, our particular area to practice with. And last year I made a list. So I wanted to read you some of those. The teachers will say, try and stay with the breath. Feel the breath at the nose. Feel the breath at the belly. Feel the breath at the chest. Feel the breath in the whole body. Feel the sensations of the body breathing. Try to stay with and feel emotions. Stay with and feel emotions in the body. Try not to get lost in emotions. Notice when identifications with emotions occur. Notice thoughts and sometimes mentally note thinking. Try not to get lost in thoughts. Notice when awareness returns after being lost. Notice self-judgment and try not to judge yourself. When judging <coughs> others, try to let go of judgments. When a hindrance arises, let go of that. Stay awake when sleep, sleepy, sit still when restless, and so it goes on and on. I mean, we get all these instructions, and then when it comes to, there's less instructions in activity, but we, 
I've heard so many instructions like try and be aware continuously throughout the day. Be aware before you send a text. Be aware after you send a text. Be aware before you send an email. Be aware afterwards. Notice the first breath when you wake up. Be aware when you're driving. Be aware before you speak, and on and on. And so we get all these instructions about how to do practice. And I started thinking about, well, in order to really practice with intimacy, we have to do the same thing. We have to be able to identify what this huge landscape or scope of uh, in, that's included in practice, and we need to pick out things that we want to work with, and then we need to intentionally include those in the practice that we do. And some of it is just reflection on our relationship and how it is that we hold intimacy. Some, of, some questions that I've reflected on is, what did I learn regarding intimacy? What did I learn from my family about intimacy? What did I learn from my mother? What did I learn from my father? What adjectives do I use or words do I use to describe intimacy? What self-defenses do I use to avoid intimacy? What are some strategies I use to create intimacy? Um, and so I wanted to offer you a question and have you take a few minutes, three minutes, and triads to talk about it. And what I wanted to remind you is that there's a tremendous amount of refuge here. There's a reason why we all come to GBF. <laughs> um, because we feel safe here, we often feel seen, we feel heard. Our experiences of gay, of, as gay men are reflected back to us. There, I feel like there's a different level of engagement because many of us have been coming here for a long time. So perhaps there's more engagement, perhaps there's more connection, but we also have different levels of intimacy when we enter this room and we bring all of our conditioning and everything that I described with us into this room. And so I've often thought that this is a perfect place to practice intimacy. So I'm um, giving you a chance to do that. So what I want you to do is to just work with two other people next to you. I'm going to, um, I'll time you three minutes. And I want you to just use these simple guidelines. Um, this is one way listening and one way talking. So there's not any crosstalk. This is whatever you hear is confidential. So don't repeat it or say anything to that person ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and then practice with the adjectives that you thought. So if one of your adjectives is vulnerability, talk about something that might make you feel more, more vulnerable. So only share what feels comfortable, but see if you can practice being a little bit more intimate in this short, brief conversation. Yes. So I, I, I just a question about what seems to me a contradiction in the instructions and the intimacy of never talk about it again, don't have any response, and it sounds like perhaps intimacy with oneself, but I'm, so I'm puzzled. Well, let's try it and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to sit with those questions. <laughs> um, 
And then we'll have a period where we can talk about it. And I'll time you. Just stay in your groups, and then part two of this would be just take take a few minutes to you could talk. This is a period of interaction where you could just talk about what that was like and what came up for you, or any reflection that you had. So I'll time this too. So just three minutes to share among yourselves. Yeah, share among yourselves. Three minutes each. Three minutes together. Yeah. Thank you for trying that. Um, so I just wanted to open it up for any comments or questions. I'm definitely not an expert on intimacy, but I have a deep practice of investigating what that means for, my, for me. So are there any uh, comments or insights? Um, I just I just think as as gay people, especially gay men, um, uh, depending on when you came out and what era you were born in, um, you know, hiding and uh, fitting in is sort of like the opposite of intimacy. You know, having to conform. So it's a training and the opposite of being authentic. So it's it's a very strong stream to um, to go against. It's almost like unlearning. You know, what's saved you is also your demise. You know, it's like, you know, it's like survival skills that you need to let go of. Not of hmm. Thank you. I appreciated the opportunity to talk with two different sangha. And it really reminded me of how important I think our uh, small group discussions are that we have like once a month. It's a way of building intimacy in the sangha.
I'll just share one technique which I mentioned, which I learned from Stephen Levine, who was my was my first Buddhist teacher for some years, including when I joined GBF back in '96, I guess. Um, which is a one-way conversation. And so it's sitting down with someone else, and so it, it sort of contradicts what I might disagree with the first time. Uh, <laughs> and each person has 20 to 30 minutes in which they can talk about, better, better generally not to plan it, just you know whatever comes up, 20 to 30 minutes, and then the other person has 20 to 30 minutes, and then you can talk about things that come up, or you can take that if you want, and so forth. Um, and I've done this over the years with uh, two partners and a number of friends, and actually somebody in GBF picked up on it and did it with his estranged sister. And um, it's a it's a very effective way of creating intimacy. And I'm I'm not I'm not quite sure why. Uh, one of the issues is just being listened to for that period of time allows people to bring things up that they normally don't talk about. Uh, and then generally find out that it's all fine. So it's, it's just a suggestion if anybody wants mm -hmm. to try expanding this further with a partner or a friend or a family member. I really appreciated the, the exercise I did. And I felt emboldened that the, your word vulnerability uh, really struck me. And so I purposely sought out people I, I don't know which is not like me, and uh, it was very rewarding. And picking up on the vulnerability angle, uh, one of us talked about the sensations uh, the physical sensations of vulnerability. I thought that was very useful while he was talking. It's like, what does that feel like for me? Uh, how do I feel when I'm feeling vulnerable? And a lot of things, a lot of visual images and gut feelings came up for me. So that was very useful. Something I think I learned as a review over the discussion we had is that intimacy also can involve being intimate with yourself. And that can happen when you talk about yourself with others in other situations. And um, that was not a way I thought about intimacy before. One can be intimate with oneself. One should be intimate with oneself. I'm characteristically quiet. <laughs> I guess one thing I'm thinking about is, you know, Barbara, because you were talking earlier about sort of the standards, that I also think that there's a standard like intimacy is a way. There's a way. But and even for one person, because I'm aware that my my need or my draw or my practice of intimacy with others is changing through my life. I feel much less of a need 
maybe it's sort of related to what you had just said, but with increased intimacy with myself, but also that sort of opens me up to sort of a universal sort of intimacy, I feel, at least at this point, much less a need to be immediately intimate with other people. <coughs> so it's changing the way that I uh, was and had need for intimacy even a few years ago is not the way I experience intimacy right now. You mentioned the uncharacteristic silence, and I think for me, when I feel really comfortable and intimate with someone, I'm aware of being comfortable with just being silent sometimes. And so I think I think it may be a bit of a reflection that all of us, because of the discussion and the group sharing and what you've said, feel more comfortable just not having to fill the silence. Right. Is there one, <coughs> one more comment? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, in the past, my biggest barriers to intimacy I had were homophobia, including internalized homophobia. Um, right now, the biggest barrier I see intimacy is, is age. I, I think uh, that there's a real pressure in this culture to, to shuttle the elderly aside, and it's really kind of like swimming upstream to push against that. Um, I mean, I, I live in San Francisco, and I have gay, gay circle friends, so I don't directly experience homophobia in very rare occasions. But I, I do experience a subtle age phobia. At least I think that's what's going on. And uh, I, I just see that's, like I said, yeah, there, there are efforts to deal with seniors in this, in this city, but uh, I think there still is, is a lot of ageism going on that, that can be real problematic. Was there, yeah. I was yes. just, some, something that came up in our group was that intimacy is not necessarily always positive that it's that for you know one can be engaged in ways that are not necessarily positive that can be destructive because you're in, in an intimate relationship with with people and so as somebody who's kind of intimacy phobic I guess I found that reassuring <laughs> <laughs> Well, so uh, we're running out of time. But I just wanted to um, close by just saying that, you know, that this is named now, that we can include this in our practice, that we can um, identify just specific parts of intimacy. Intimacy is so broad. Um, and that it's, a, it's, it's an investigation and exploration. And if there is an interest in moving towards intimacy, towards ourselves or towards others, um, I think it has to be a very intentional process that we, that we enter into. When I started doing practice, I had this magical belief that I would just do practice and then I would just be different and my life would change and I really have learned that um, 
that a sitting practice doesn't necessarily lend itself to changing how it is that I am in the world and that um, a majority of my practice is out in the world so that we can be very intentional. Um, so this is just a very kind of brief introduction <laughs> to kind of this huge field of practice. And, I, um, and so I thank you for your attention. Thank you, Baruch. Um, next week, by the way, is uh, Eugene Cash is going to be coming in. So, uh, oh, cool. No, it's two issue. weeks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Open discussion next week. So we can practice <laughs> intimacy in, uh, in preparation for Eugene, Eugene Cash's uh, talk. Any announcements? Uh, so I don't normally announce this, but it seems connected. So the Meetup Gay Salon, which you can easily find on meetup.com, the Gay Intellectual Salon, also meets here in this space. And two weeks from now, this is the week of Eugene Cash at uh, 4 o'clock, uh, the topic this time is on vulnerability. And that's why I'm mentioning it, because I think that's probably... Concerns with that are probably the biggest, a big, at least a big impediment to intimacy. So if you're interested, look at meetup.com, um, and you'll find Gay Intellectual Salon, or put in Gay San Francisco, you'll find it. And this is when again? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Four o'clock here. On Sunday? Or? Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I wanted to announce another LGBT Sangha that's been going on for 16 years that also meets in this very room um, every Monday at 5.30. It's the same format as GBF, uh, and uh, it's a half hour of meditation and only a half hour Dharma talk, so we're out here by 6.30 on Monday. So it's a sweet little group. It's much smaller, uh, but many of us here have to do attend that as well, so uh, you're all, all welcome to uh, the LGBT Sangha. It's a very diverse and, and mixed little Sangha. Uh, 5.30 every Monday right here. It's not a federal holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yes. Last week I asked if there were people who were interested in doing a postcard campaign uh, in yeah. London mm -hmm. in uh, <clears throat> one of the most heinous congressmen in California. Some of you signed up for that. We couldn't pick a date, so I prepared these packets for those uh, nine to ten people and a couple of extras um, to do this postcard campaign, and it's sort of all included at this point. Um, so if you can see me afterwards, I've got that for you, and maybe we can move into something. Um, this can be very easy, uh, but we can do something... Uh, to have our voices met outside of this space at least once a month, whether it's political or it's um, you know in our natural environment or whatever we decide to do. So I'm happy to discuss that with anybody. Yeah, um, there's going to be an LGBT retreat at Tassajara in April, and I don't know if you've ever been to Tassajara, but it's this beautiful place at the end of. Uh, Carmel Valley Road, and it's uh, and it, it tends to be uh, Tassar could be expensive, but this retreat's I, I think only like three hundred dollars or two ninety for four days, and um, it's just an amazing experience Tassar. So if you're interested, let me know or or just go to the website. Um, what, what are, what's the date? I don't know the exact dates. I 
just space it, but it's mid-April. Would that be on the Zen Buddhist website? Yeah, that'd be in San Francisco Zen Center. Just yeah. look under uh, uh, Tassahara. Any other announcements? Right, we have uh, quite a few. Um, but we do have a host. Um, That's me. I'm George, I'm your host. Um, I'll be coming around with Don Hall. Uh, suggested donation is $10 to help maintain the Zonda. Uh, there are tangerines out there. Uh, they're sweet and delicious. However, I bought them before I tried them, so there are seeds, unfortunately, a few of them. Not, not many, but a few, so just be cautious of that. Um, and some people meet at the door at 12.30, I believe, to go out to lunch. And I didn't hear those hot water things sing like they usually do. I'm hoping I do it right, and there was hot water for tea. If there is, enjoy that too. Okay, folks, uh, well, time for the dedication of merit. By the power and truth of this practice, may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity without too much attachment or too much aversion, believing in the equality of all that lives. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.